0: Bye. <laughs> Okay. Philosophy uh, with Will Anderson. Uh, thanks for tuning in. I'm trying to get it back to a more regular podcast in 2016. That's one of my resolutions. I don't really do resolutions, but you know, not on New Year's anyway. I guess I have daily resolutions and then sometimes the next day I'm like, that was a fucking stupid resolution. And then I changed my mind. I, I reserve the right to change my mind. Here's what I think's happening with the podcast now. I'm going to try to put it out on a Wednesday and I'm trying to get it more regular. Now it might not be every week, but it will be on a Wednesday when it does come out. So uh, Wednesday, australian time into wednesday american time that gives me a nice 36 hour window of when i can get that podcast out anyway i can, I, I can tell you all this in an intro where my guest isn't here rather than uh, doing it uh in front of her uh because she's been very nice to come back and do the podcast and when i say come back i mean literally come back because uh we were meant to do it yesterday and i fucked up i uh, wrote the wrong date on my calendar and then never like blindly ignored other messages and emails that pointed to a thing that was different to the wrong thing I'd written down. Like literally. Uh, so here's what happened. I, I'll talk about it with our guest, but let's uh, let her introduce herself first. I've not looked at her in the face while I do this intro because I'm <laughs> pretending that I'm only talking to the listeners at home. I'm not talking to her, but now I am. This is me looking up. Uh, hello guest. Uh, who are you?
1: I am Kelly Carlin. I am a writer, writer, uh, communicator thinker actor performer podcaster uh human
0: you're a lot of things (laughs) i I I don't know if you are human if you're doing all that other shit to be honest (laughs) i I feel like you're some sort of carlin bot that Uh, you're like genetically engineered next generation that's a lot of slashes that you have
1: you know it's because there's human would really be it but People want more. They want to know more. They And it's all this list of things I do, which is horrible.
0: No, it's interesting. Like, I mean, it's, it's literally the reason I asked the question at the start of the podcast yeah. is I like to see what people say because I suspected when I started the podcast that everyone will always fill it in with, I guess, autobiographical information. And, and a resume.
1: Like, like, like you feel right. like you have to, like, put your resume out there so that you have some sort of, I don't know, qualification to be someone who could talk into a microphone in a podcast (laughs) Uh, i don't
0: know did you watch the republican uh, debate the other night did you see any of that uh
1: i watched a teeny little bit of it i watched some of them and not all of them you know so
0: again i'm a bit the same because i'm only i only tend to catch them when i'm in america and i'm here when it's on but i watched the other night and somebody has obviously told chris christie uh, that he, I think I believe he's the governor of New Jersey. He is. And, yes. And uh, they've obviously told him that he doesn't have enough recognition of the things that he's done or whatever. Right. So in every single answer, it was like really like it was mesmerizing to watch because he would start every answer by like so you'd ask something like uh, so uh, Mr. Christie, what do you think of uh, ISIS? And he goes, Well, I was on a government committee for three <laughs> years between <which> 1889 <laughs> and 1943, and like yeah. and he would just but it would be at the top of every answer. Yeah. And he would just like. A little bit of information. Here's a little bit of my bio. Group. Here's
1: my expertise. Here's
0: my IMDb.
1: Yes, <laughs> totally. Yeah. All
0: right. Well, I'm going to walk through all those things, but let's get to the question of the podcast. And then once we've got the premise out of the way, we can just get down. We can talk
1: about whatever we want. We can just have the okay, conversation. Okay. Yeah, you know.
0: Okay. All right. So, uh, do do you have a philosophy, Kelly Carlin?
1: You know, that's a good
0: question. Good, thanks. <laughs> good. I'm just going to edit that into the promo.
1: I think I do. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure I do have a philosophy. Okay.
0: What 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 is it?
1: Uh, you know, I mean, I, I was I was listening to your podcast and and I heard you ask someone that question. I thought, wow, I got to think about this. And then yet, it's like I feel like everything I do in my life is about trying to talk about this philosophy. I mean, I guess the biggest thing, my biggest philosophy is, is that I'm a person who is always seeking more information about everything. All like right. for me being a seeker, whether uh-huh. of knowledge or wisdom or experience like that's, I, I don't know. I, I, I can't stop. Being a seeker, like I want to be, like I and I've I've gotten to a point a couple of times in my life where I'm like, okay, I know enough. I know enough. I don't need to be seeking. I don't need to figure it all out. I don't need to fix anything. Like I used to want to be fixing myself all Uh the time. Like that was my big life thing. Was like, if I just need to like heal my wounds and fix myself, and then I'll be okay. And then I like realized, okay, that's exhausting. And maybe I'm just this wounded kind of semi broken person. That's okay. I'm functioning. It's working out, uh, and I'm not like horrifically anxious anymore. I had like panic attack disorder at one point, so like, yeah, I needed to fix that. That's probably a good thing to fix. Um, so, and and I do reach points where I'm like, okay, I don't really need to like seek. I can just like know what I know. And I'm a little bit at that at my in my life right now, like because I, you know, I write about things, I talk about things, I have a a perspective on things. So you got to like feel like you own something of knowledge when you want to say to the world hey this is the way I see it but I'm never satisfied I'm always like okay what's next
0: all right there, there are, firstly I love it like this is you're totally on the same page as me when it comes to this sort of thing um there are so many things just already in that that I want to talk about but uh the first one is that idea of like uh going from being like a you know kind of a fixer to a a seeker and it's I, – I, I kind of think of it about like, you know, it's always like you're building the foundations of your house or mm-hmm. whatever, right? Now, if there is a problem – like, if you think of yes. your life as like, there's a problem, there's a hole there, you can, you can just pave over the top of it. Yeah, you,
1: you can try for a little while. But
0: at some stage, yes. you're going to fucking walk and you're you know, going to go there's in gonna be and do a big the work. storm and like you you're going to fall through the floor yeah. if you don't do that, right? Yeah. But you also have got to think of your whole life as being like this foundation. So yeah. every day you've still built, you've, even if you've identified a problem that you have to fix, that's about you building this foundation and you have to take the. The good things, you know, as well, and keep adding to that foundation. Yes. You can't just worry about all the problems you have. You also have to keep building the house.
1: Yes, yes.
0: I mean, if, and I guess that's what, like, you know, if you want to extend that in, analogy a little bit further, is that idea of going, well, here's the thing at the moment, we don't have time to, or the money or whatever, to fix that problem, but we need to keep building the house. Sometimes right. you need to keep building the house, right? And sometimes you need to fix the problems as well. You've yes. got to, and I think that's a, That idea of like life being this thing rather than a bucket that you fill up and then you'll be like feel like you've accomplished something, you know, uh, uh, rather it being this thing that you're constantly adding to and and that it is infinite because I think that so often we search for simplicity in our lives. You know, that's what, why we look at religions. That's why we look at rules. That's why Fight Club yeah. was appealing to people. Yeah, any kind of ideology.
1: People. It's like, just give me your rules. Tell me. And and just tell me the rules, and I will live by those five things, and then I never have to think about it again.
0: Right. It would the, be lovely. It would be lovely. It <laughs> would I un- be. I understand why that's appealing.
1: Yes, but not real right. doesn't happen that it way it doesn't
0: happen and if you know anything about you know what we know about the nature of the universe the truth is from a like uh, I, I, from a scientific point of view i guess uh, from a point of view of the universe that everything we do even when we're trying to make things more simple by its very nature makes the universe exponentially more complicated.
1: Yes. Literally
0: yes. the nature of existing. So rather than like, you know, finding it paralyzing, you know, finding this idea that we are just part of a, an infinite journey onwards and we're just a, a step on the ladder, you know, for someone else hopefully to stand on the shoulders of and, and move on to whatever it is next. It's yeah. like, it do, it is a kind of a liberating
1: It is thought. It, it is. Yeah. I mean, when you take uh, I was just listening on the way here to a gentleman named James Hillman, who's uh, the father of what they call archetypal psychology. I got my master's in Jungian psychology. And, and he's just, you know, he talks, he's, he was talking about taking the humans out of the center of the universe, you know, that when we put ourselves in the center of things uh, and we make ourselves the most important thing, that tends to make a very certain, the world look a very certain way and operate a very certain way the way we're living it right now, right. by the way. <laughs> and that when you do, when you really put yourself in the proper place in the universe, which is we are just one of a multitude of things, uh, it's very liberating. It's very freeing. And, but it doesn't take us off the hook in any way. It just, it just takes the arrogance out of it, first of all, which I think is really important. But it does. It, it frees us to really be in true relationship with life, and our life in particular. You know, I mean, there's, there's no such thing as perfection. I think, I mean, that's another thing, like, that seeking, fixing ideology thing is a desperate wanting of something perfect that stays the same and fixes. But look at nature. Shit's moving all the time and changing in every second. And it is our discomfort with our imperfections and this constant change that creates anxiety and all of that, that makes us want to cling, once again, to ideologies and quick fixes and rules and religions and stuff.
0: Okay, so a couple of things on that. Uh, The first one I I want to put a pin in, but, like, I want to get to uh, how that reflects in, like, you know, contemporary politics and Mm -hmm. the idea of conservatism, because I certainly think there is an – an element of, uh, of, you know, uh, that in that thought of yes. like, but the other thing is that like, I've been thinking about this quite a lot recently is that idea of like perfectionism, which is like something that you mentioned there. These, this idea of things needing to be perfect. Mm-hmm. I would go a step further. And I think actually like, you know, when someone says, or like when someone gets hung up on the idea of not, not being able to do something because they're a perfectionist, yes. like that's in, that's your own, Arrogance, Like, that's literally your own ego that you need to get over in that moment. Because the truth is, <laughs> yes. like, who are you to get something fucking perfect? Yes, you when there's idiot. no such
1: thing as like, it.
0: Probably even the person who's best at it in the world, whatever the right. thing is, yeah. can't do it perfectly. Yeah. But you
1: right. are
0: beating yourself up because you're not the...
1: But And the thing is, perfectionism is an idea. Yeah. It's an abstract concept. It's not a living, breathing thing. So, I mean... You look at nature and it's, you know, it's doing what it does. It's imperfect in every moment. And yet it's perfectly doing what it's doing imperfectly. I I was
0: talking to a friend of mine the other day who, it was funny. This is like a weird, like, thing that kind of is very relevant, but at the same time seems like a weird story to tell. But basically he had to go to a work... Golf day, right? And uh-huh. he's and he's never played golf. Oh, this is good, right? And he was like going to like pretend not. He was like sick or whatever because yes. like he, he was he, like right. because I can't play golf. And and he was getting so like you know paranoid about the idea. He's going well, they're going to like yeah. You know, and he's going well. Have you told them that you can play golf? And he's like no. And he goes they know that I've never played golf before. And I'm like, well then of course you're going to be terrible at golf.
1: Right. Like
0: why are you worried about not being awesome at something? Yeah. That like Tiger Woods was the most <laughs> awesome at that. Yes. And then he got caught love- like cheating on his wife and now he can't he can't even do it. <laughs> right. Do you know what <laughs> I mean? Like yes. he was the best at it in the world. Yeah. And now he can't even fucking do it. But you just think day one, happy Gilmore style, <laughs> you're just gonna rock up and naturally be able to play golf. I mean, that's an inherent arrogance. Like, you've got to put aside this idea. Like, I mean, I see it a lot in comedy where people are they rely on their own material, they're afraid to take risks, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because – Yeah, of this idea of like something works or something being comfortable going into that area of like trying something that could you could possibly fail, right? Or you know could not work or could like pierce that kind of veil of like I'm hilarious about everything and I have a great opinion. I am all in charge, all powerful, right? Yes, yeah. Letting people into that vulnerability is. I mean, it's a hard thing to.
1: It's it's very frightening. For me, like I've had that experience. I have a. A one-woman show I do, and I don't have a lot of. St- I haven't gotten a lot of. St- Is the
0: show called the Carlin Home Companion yes. as well? Yeah. So, I, like, I should uh, point out, and I'm sure we're going to talk about your dad at some stage. Like, I, I, I would love to not, but I also, <laughs> you know, what I mean, like in a way, I would love to not. Yeah. Because, like, I, I want you to come and, like, and I hope that most of what we'll talk about on the podcast will just be, you know, stuff that you and I are talking about. Yeah. But at the same time, like. The reason that um, one of the things – You them-
1: met Pre- Provenza. Right. And, Suggested and I come. And one
0: of the themes of this podcast is like it's not a strictly an interview podcast. Like mm-hmm. every single person who's been on this podcast is connected to me in some way. So the idea of a podcast mm-hmm. is not – it's kind of meant to show, hey, here are these people who are in my life and connected to me in some way and this is what they think and these are the people that I know and these are the conversations that I might have with people that I know. And so hopefully in some way it reveals something of me and my life. my and my world as well, through it, okay, <sighs> and I mean, I would not be doing what I do without your father, so it would also yes, be yes, i would fair. so it would also be one of those things where. I, it would be stupid of me to go through the whole podcast and not mention that this seems like a good time because we're talking about yeah. the show <laughs> and he's and,
1: my dad i and mean I, I get that right you and know. i but
0: i also want to plug the book which is like and because i read it i sent you a message uh, I, it was at christmas and it was my first opportunity for like i was going away on a holiday I, I rarely take holidays and i had like a couple of books that i really wanted to read and your book was one of them and like first day, like I think I sent you a message. I read it like straight (laughs) through. Like it was like, it just is a, it's a great book. But the thing that I love the most about it, and I I, I said this to you at the time, but I thought it was the thing that I really responded to the most was going into a book like that. A lot of the audience who go to it Mm -hmm. are going because obviously they want to know about your father. Yep. And I was like, how is this book going to balance? Because if there's, like, you know what I mean? Like, you don't want to just be – this was meant to – this is your story. Yep. Yeah, your story. But, like, if you didn't get that balance right – and that's what I thought was the most impressive thing of the Thank whole you. book. I, it was just, like, I felt like I learned more about your father. Yeah. But I also felt by the end of it I had learned a lot about you. And yeah. that was – I thought that was, like – I thought it was really great. And Thank you. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, that is really what I uh, – you know, I, I'm no idiot. I know the people who are going to come to my book are don't know me, know my dad <clears throat> and my story is, and especially how I decided to highlight and shape that narrative of my book is really about the father daughter. It's about the father, the, the my family, but it's a lot about the father daughter relationship right. and the dance that, that we do and, and a universal father daughter dance that happens. <clears throat> and I did, I wanted to give, a balance throughout you know and also know that uh you know when you're you know I would say well you're I'm a grown-up and I, I don't hang out with my dad every day who does <laughs> you know so I'm going to be telling my story but I, I really I, I appreciate that and um well I think also like those moments like uh,
0: to me uh, you know I I've been around people close people in my life who have had times in their life where as a young person, they were more the parent than the parents were. And even seeing that transition and like what longing or need or uh, effect that has on you growing into an adult, I think is always a fascinating story. But at the same time, you're kind of juxtaposing it around this thing of like, oh, I mean, you know, I remember, you know, that George Carlin and that part of his career and whatever, but I never thought of like, You know, maybe it's not as cool, like, at home as it is, like, you know. Yeah,
1: and and that's part of it is that um, it's a real delicate balance between giving the fans the version of George Carlin they want Mm -hmm. and love and knowing that kind of part of my philosophy of life is uh, there's a human experience behind the celebrity and fame. And there's this idealization we do with people on our TVs and on our stages that I think is a very psychological act. I think we project onto them all of our highest wishes and dreams and make them into whoever we want them to be. And my dad, growing up um, in the wings of watching my dad, uh, you know, basically tear down the bullshit in the world and tear right. down people's need to worship in uh, these things. And so I felt that it was perfectly proper that his daughter, <laughs> <laughs> I've, this is what I've learned from him. I don't do it in the same way. I don't right. do it in the same art form. I'm not a stand up, but I really do believe that um, revealing the truth and the authenticity of our thinking and our minds, especially and how we construct reality is really important to me. And so that was part of the plan of my book and my solo show that Paul and I worked on a lot, was really balancing the difference between the genius and the man and the human and the father or the husband. And that we're all gonna be healthier creatures and humans on this earth when we can all do that in our own lives and with each other. You know, when we take off the masks and we pull back the projections And we treat each other like, you know, we can really connect in a more intimate, vulnerable way.
0: Okay, so um, here's a question for you. What do you think that you learned, if there is something, um, that you – when you started out doing the show, Mm -hmm. like when you conceived the idea of like, I'm going to examine my life and my relationship and like, you know, do this sort of show. Yeah. Like, what do you think – you know changed in your mind from when you decided to that by the time that you had actually like you know, conceived the show and sort of had to think about it on that level of construction and what you're trying to say. Did you learn things through that process or did your mind change on anything?
1: yeah well, i learned I learned a lot. I mean, Paul was really patient with me <laughs> in many ways, but um what do you like? Because I mean, had you
0: done much collaboration up to that point? I like, hadn't.
1: No, I had not. And, and do re-
0: you work well with other people? I do.
1: I do. And almost to the point where I work too well with other people because I'm a person who likes to disappear inside relationships instead of stand up for myself. You know, uh-huh. that's something I've had to learn. Um, but Paul was great because he was like part director, part dramaturg, part therapist, Um, part best friend, you know, and, um, he really created a big safe space for me. And, and one of the things I learned from the beginning when we started developing it to when I'm on stage now is I learned how, I learned how to not protect my father on stage that at the beginning, it was hard for me to get angry at him and to be, and to feel certain emotions on stage and to reveal to the audience that I think he's being a shit right Right. now. And that was hard for me because my whole job, my whole life was protecting his reputation because that was that I was an only child and my parents were addicts and alcoholics and everything's fine and great, you know. So that one thing I learned and that the the walls didn't cave in and the earth didn't open and no one stood up going, you hate your father and march out of the audience. Like that was my like biggest fear was like some fan who would judge me for that. Well,
0: I I, like I don't think that you do like it doesn't come across in, like you know, that you do. Uh secondly, uh, you know, because I think that you can present things as as fact without prejudice. Do uh, you know course, what I mean? Of course. And th- But the other thing is that I, I think that you have, like from an outside point of view, I think that you have a responsibility as a daughter – uh, you know, when you're a daughter to protect your father. Yes, of course. That's exactly what your job is. Yes. But as an artist. Right. Like as somebody who is making a show. Right. Like the things that your father stood for. Yeah. Like in that regard. Mm-hmm. Of like burn this shit down. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> examine it. Yeah. And then burn it down again. Yeah. yeah. You know, the shit that he – I think about this all the time. I mean, the stuff that he said, like some of it is more relevant today than it was then it's incredible like i mean truly i mean honestly yeah if that was someone like you have the you fucking he's the warren buffett of like you know <laughs> <laughs> seeing where society was headed you know yeah, it's very true Him and fucking might judge in idiocracy they both yeah. just like really saw what was coming a mile before anybody else did and yeah and sometimes i do kind of think that we haven't walked in his footsteps yet enough like, I do – like, I mean, of course, there are brilliant, you know, angry, you know, satirists in comedy yes. at this stage. There are. There are a heap of them. There Although, are, thankfully. Yeah, which is great. Yeah. But I still wonder, you know, like, yeah. in that big mainstream way. Yeah. You know, to be that big and be, I guess, Louis, but Louis more personal, political, yes. you know, examining. Yes. But, you know, like, definitely some stuff in there that's in that same vein. Mm-hmm. But anyway – Enough about that that's not, not yeah. the point, but as an artist, mm-hmm. all he was about was the, like I mean if you did not get up there and tell the truth yep. if you did not get up there and say what it was that you had to say yep I mean that would be disrespecting him as an artist as a- what he did as a-, a
1: and to and to really you know, to, to remove the obligation part of my relationship to him. And, and, and clearly, everything I do in the book and in the show, I do with great love and respect. I mean, it's obvious. But, you know, to be on stage and to be able to feel anger in the moment and let myself emote on stage in front of people, because I do a lot of acting in scenes where I'm doing my mom and me and my dad. And to be to to, to, to be that vulnerable in front of an audience emotionally is 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 very intense and frightening and yet extremely freeing at the same time because it's like all the fear I've ever had about showing my feelings and, and feeling something in front of people, I'm doing in this kind of slightly arbitrary false way and yet the emotion is real and the moment is real. And one of the things I love about, uh, someone just a couple of weeks ago said to me, Um, You know, you're an extroverted feeler, and that's an important person to be, you know, like everyone kind of has their own kind of like roles in the world. But as a performer, that's what I do is I own my emotions on stage in such a way that give people permission to feel their emotions too. Uh-huh. There's a lot of sniffling and sobbing in the audience in my show. And for me, that's I have a great joy about that because right. people don't allow themselves
0: you may need to a, feel You may grief. need a trigger warning at the start. Yes, You may you be can. setting
1: off things. Oh my
0: God. You're about two, two, <laughs> two years away from you needing a trigger warning at the start of the I show. I will not
1: be uh, going to college campuses anytime you'll like, soon. <laughs> you'll be like, no
0: one clapped. Oh no, they're all doing jazz hands (laughs) because clapping will trigger it's a trigger i uh, god, that's great uh, uh, what about the idea of replicating those emotions nightly Mm. i I always think that's interesting when you're telling i don't i mean all my stories are 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 personal but it's rare that i've had something that is so personal like often you know i might have material about my parents and stuff but it's amongst a you know range of other you know material Mm -hmm. no one's going to No one's sitting there going, I hope Will writes that book about what it was like to be the son of a dairy farmer. That must have been a life. How he didn't drink or smoke and married the first woman he ever kissed. I want to see what was going on behind the scenes. Normal stuff, actually. Really supportive normal stuff. The end. No trigger warnings. Like it would be a trigger warning free show, you know? Like...
1: Oh my uh, God. <laughs> well, I, you know, the thing is, I've learned. Um, I got a chance to do a five week run of the show, and I'd never done 25 shows over five weeks. I'd done one here, one there, because I was doing uh-huh. a lot of comedy festivals. And when I got to do that, and Paul and I got three weeks of rehearsal before that, I got to understand the life of an actor and what it's like up there. I mean, every night I go on stage, my mother dies. Right. And every night every night
0: and if and if you're not there
1: and if i'm not there i've learned to not push yeah okay because pushing is the inauthentic moment. Uh-huh. Uh, Be- uh,
0: yeah, okay. Being, That's good.
1: Being with it because the words and the context and what I've already <sighs> created, the audience is already on the ride. If I push or I pull back in any way to watch and say to myself, "Oh shit, I'm not there," then they're out, then I'm we're all out. We're all out of the magic. It's gone. It's it's staying with what is. And some nights tears come, some night my voice breaks, and other nights I'm just saying the words, but I'm, I'm in the space. And that is, that was a huge revelation for me as a performer and an actor and to really understand kind of the magic craft of performance that it really is about the mask must be off no matter what, no matter where you are with it, you know, even though you're manufacturing the shit out of that moment there's still an authenticity in it. It's it's very precarious, fun little no. line to, Once to walk. Once you can
0: fake authenticity.
1: Yeah. That's yes, Like yes. I mean, but that's
0: what it is really, yeah. isn't it? It's like you've got to be having an authentic moment on stage. Yes. It doesn't have to be necessarily – like an author like you know, it can't it can't be the same each night. And I understand right. exactly what you're saying. It's like when you see a comedian; sometimes you can someone's trying too hard to be liked. Yes. And you're like, everything else about this works. Yes. But you can just see, and it's what you're saying. It's that thing of it's like pushing, pushing. Yes. Just <laughs> trying a little bit too hard.
1: And and for the first couple of years, uh, I did. I'd go out there and I would, I I was manhandling moments, uh-huh. you know. And Paul would just say you know, you you just, just, right. just say it, just uh-huh. trust it and say it. And I'd be like, but I'm not enough. You know, you think you got a manhandle and and because I don't have, you know, 10,000 hours open mics or, you know, I've got like 10 minute storytelling moments in LA on precious little stages that are nice and safe audiences.
0: Malcolm Gladwell wrote another book about that. <laughs> it was another, it wasn't quite as successful. <laughs>
1: And and so I just I just took me enough. First of all, the first year I did the show, I have I have like a basic stage fright I used to have. So the okay. first the first year was just terror.
0: So uh, I was it, like
1: out of my body talk, the whole time. Talk
0: us through how that because I think that's an interesting thing for people to get a window into is um, how did that manifest itself? The well, stage fright. It,
1: I mean, it, because I had panic attack syndrome in the in the past, uh-huh. and one of my first panic attacks came when I was in rehearsal. My dad did a a pilot for HBO, and I got to do a role on it, and I was going to rehearsal and had this panic attack. I didn't know what it was. I was 20-something. I thought I was dying of a heart attack. Right. Well, so panic you, attacks feel like that, though. They do. You yeah. feel like you're having a heart attack. You're going to die. you absolutely convinced it's crazy. you're going to die. It's it crazy. Is. It's it is a, crazy. Like, even
0: for – like, I mean, I've seen people – like, you know, have panic attacks, like proper panic attacks. And they know, like, I mean, they, yeah. people, they're like, I'm about to have a panic attack. Yeah. And you, still, defi- despite the fact so that 30 fucked. seconds ago, so yeah. you were able to say out loud, I know what this is. Yeah. Once and you're yeah. in the middle of it, yep.
1: can't. I say to people, I don't believe in God, but if God himself came down and said, you're right. just having a panic attack, I'd yeah. say, fuck you, I'm dying. Yeah,
0: fuck you, beauty.
1: Fuck you. <laughs> um,
0: and by the way, while we're here, I've got some other issues. And that's, yes, we've got a list of shit list that we, of shit. we need to talk about. Don't, don't go anywhere. Which might
1: help my panic. Yeah, I don't exactly. know. But, uh,
0: <laughs> it's distracting me a little, to be honest, right now with my anger, but you don't go anywhere. <laughs>
1: so true sit
0: down put your staff to the side and fucking sit down tiger <laughs> yes got i've some, got <laughs> some questions let's talk yeah uh
1: so yeah so it was it was a fear of forgetting lines was my biggest fear and i have a I do a 90 minute show mm-hmm. i'm you know up there by myself 90 minutes there's a few there's some videos we play of dad but um so the fear of like forgetting lines was 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 big for me and then like i would like the typical panic attack kind of stuff is like your fingertips and your lips start to get a little numb uh-huh. and tingly or whatever, and and you think, like, "Oh shit, you know, and then you get a little spaced out I mean one night on stage when I did the five week run, I'd say about half the half the night I was on the verge of some sort of anxiety attack like I was I was feeling floaty headed and everything but I just kind of just piled through it all did you
0: have some sort of technique to do that or did it just
1: I just kept trusting that uh-huh. I know where I know what I'm doing I'm okay if I pass out someone will come help me well
0: I mean they should yes I mean technically hope they at least would.
1: my stage manager will and, and, and to be, be honest, honest
0: if you pass out and no one comes to help you if nothing else that's been a teachable moment <laughs> That people don't have your back. That would be the lesson I would learn out of that. Yes. It's like, okay, well, I've got to be making some other decisions. <laughs> well, I'll be leaving now. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I guess that clears this up, fuckers. <laughs> totally. Uh, so you're t- like you you're doing this, show. You have to relive, as you said, yeah. your mother's death every and, night. And, and
1: really, I mean, so what I learned was like the first year – pretty much felt out of my body, didn't mm-hmm. really know what I was doing. Didn't, And then I started to like have moments where I'd be like, oh, I'm actually breathing. Oh, I'm actually here on stage. Oh, I'm actually... Then starting to play with the energy of the audience. Oh, it's, it's this kind of an audience tonight. Okay. And they want to do it this way. All right. And then, and there's a rhythm. And then I, then I, then I started studying how I'd get in my head and I'd get attached to doing it a certain way. And then I'd be like, time to let go again and just go with the flow. And, and it, that, that kind of stagecraft stuff is the joy of doing the show for me now, because the story I've told a million times and I've read, I've written a book and it's all like, I'm so done telling the story, but the experience of playing with that invisible field between audience and yourself and the material that's, I get why people get back up on stage, even though it's like the biggest terror that humans have is public speaking. And yet, and I, and I, you know, when I like right now I'm going to gear up in, um,
0: End of March. Again, again, though. By the way, like if you if we if we go back to that um, you know, point that you made earlier about the idea of, or that we were talking about, I guess about the idea of like perfection. Yes. Uh, you know, right. being kind of an arrogance. That's what that is. Yes. Public speaking is. It's not that people because we all speak every day. <laughs>
1: guess guess what
0: you don't fear public speaking (laughs) you are literally every day speaking in public unless you're a person at home i mean you know what even right now i'm going that's pretty good will yeah
1: yeah you need to write this down will (laughs) i was like (laughs) that's actually a good bit you've you've stumbled
0: onto something yes you have totally you totally have but yeah it's like we don't have a fear of public speaking we we have a fear of in that moment Mm -hmm. and what's our fear that we won't be good and people – but why do we think that pe- – why do you think you would be good? Right. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. You'll be – if you just talk how you normally talk. <laughs> yes. no, like, we're not all critiquing how you normally talk to us. <laughs> right. Just talk like that.
1: Exactly. Because
0: why in that one moment when everyone's looking, do you suddenly care?
1: Yeah. Like, you. I mean – Yeah. Anyway, what whatever. What is it about eyeballs on you that
0: makes it so terrifying? But I, I think also that's a sort of thing of – I mean, that was something that I never really had to deal with because mm. – for whatever reason, I don't have that. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I literally don't have that. You know, right. I, I like audiences. I always have. And my parents tell a story from when I was a kid, like when I was like three, four years old, like my dad was quite a good cricketer, like the Australian game cricket, mm-hmm. you know? Sure. And, uh... the the umpires do all these kind of weird hand signals and stuff and apparently at some big game i basically all the guys were you know like you know (laughs) they were like you know all these men you know these cricketing men Uh and little precocious me like stood on like this thing and made them all watch me do all the like you know signals (laughs) and stuff like i already was like this is an open mic It was my first open yes, mic. First I open was mic. four, <laughs> All
1: right? Doing shtick,
0: yeah, like cricket uh, shtick. I don't think that was pretty original for a four-year-old. I don't think <laughs> Actually, there was a lot yeah. of four-year-olds doing cricket material. I felt like that was. <laughs> I mean I couldn't travel with it. Like, I could go to England, <laughs> New Zealand, South Africa. Yeah, you'd have
1: to go to the Empire. Yeah. Like, I mean yeah. to be
0: honest, not that different to the places I tour already. So There you go, you're fine. Um, yeah, but it's um I always liked it. You know, I always enjoyed mm-hmm. it. And like to a point, you yeah, know, more so, which is a bit different when you're doing like a show like yours as opposed to a stand up show, mm-hmm. but like to me, I the analogy I always use is surfing. Like I was like, you know, you can be as good a surfer as you want to be, but if it's like a flat pool, yeah. Like, and if you're doing good surf moves, but they're not in tune with the waves, right? Do you know what I mean? Exactly, yeah. Like it's all about you got to listen, you got to be like in tune with the audience, and yeah. and sometimes you've got to kind of corral them a bit your way, and sometimes you've got to readjust to where they're at, and yeah. Sometimes you learn something brand new about something you've said a hundred times. Like it's. It's a really interesting thing. Now, I normally ask this question at the end, but we, we've kind of stumbled onto it, you know, mm. at this point, so I'm going to ask it here. Um what do you think about death? Because obviously you've had to explore it in a way that you know some other people probably have not. Yeah. You know, um, my, both of my parents are still uh, with us. Touch wood. Not that I believe in that superstition, <laughs> but, but I not? still feel the need to like, <laughs> you know, what? I,
1: just in case. It's my.
0: I just. It's about my parents' death. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, I'd be like, you know what? Like, let it pass. But I'm like, you know what? Now this that I've mentioned shit. it out loud, I'm gonna. I don't want to be able to not release this podcast. So. <laughs> um no but i like i mean it's something that you know you have not only had to examine in your uh, life yeah which is what most people's experience is yeah uh you've then had to examine like be through the idea that when your father died that the whole world felt like i mean i was thinking about this recently with uh, a, a, a very close friend of mine is you know, I know everyone says they're the biggest David Bowie fan in the world, but this, this guy, like, was raised without a father and so often in life I think asked himself the question when he needed advice, mm. what would Bowie do? You know, oh, like, yeah. so when David Bowie died, yeah, I, the, the first thing I thought was, like, I've got to contact him and see if he's all right and, like, really genuinely contact, like, respect yes. it, the idea that to him yeah. this will be a really terrible day. And I was like, do I have that? Like, I was trying to examine my life and I said, outside my own parents, like, yeah. you know, what what would – and I guess for me it was Billy Connolly because for me, Billy Connolly was the other person who I, the first comedian I ever saw the moment I decided I was going to do comedy, all those things happened. So it'll probably be him, you know, like when I have that sort of reaction and I will feel like, like I will go through grief and I will mourn that in my own way and I'll feel like it was really personal. And there'll be like tens or hundreds of thousands of people around the world who will also be going through that. But none of them are, yeah, Like, you know, you it was, uh, have to, uh, that must be, talk to me it, if it, you mar- about it, yeah. that. Yeah,
1: it was, I mean, because I'd been through my mother's death in 97 and that was a game changer for me. Lose, uh-huh. A woman, you, you know, losing a mother, this is the person that looks most like you in the world. There's uh-huh. a lot of mortality, that kind of mortality shit going on. And then the whole idea of like, oh shit, it's not a concept. People are, like she's not here, uh, like yeah. that whole thing, yeah. and I ha- like grandparents had died, and some peers, you know, a guy in high school died, you know, things like that. But there's something about the reality of that, and it, it hit me on such a profound way um, that it it was a real awakening for me in the sense that it was like, oh, I was 34 when it happened. I'd been, you know, kind of bumping into walls for, you know, a good 15 years of my adult life. And, and so for me, it was a big wake up call. And, and I, and the grieving, you know, it was, just, it was a very long, intense grieving for me. And, and, you know, a lot of stuff went down. But then when my dad died, it was so fucking weird. <laughs> I mean, I, I'd thought of it as an idea and a concept because I knew he had heart failure and I was knowing that it was going to be sooner rather than later. And I thought, okay, well I've been through moms and I I know how to walk through this thing. And I know the kind of the experience that's going to happen. There's this kind of weird liminal space that happens. I've talked to people about this where you feel like you are living in this world and some other world at the same time, Mm -hmm. like beyond the veil. I don't, I'm a very rational person. I don't know how else to explain it. You feel like you're like this world is such a, it's just kind of a pretend false animation. And you're just like, people are going forward. And yet there's, it's just, it's a very weird experience. And then on top of that, uh, yeah, I knew right away that, uh, I mean, I was in the, I was in the airport. I was in Honolulu when my dad died and I avoided, the TV sets are in the airport because um, I didn't want to see it on CNN. I felt like if it was on CNN, it was real. Oh. Then, the, if the world knows, then it's real.
0: What a naive way of looking at the world.
1: Yeah, and, it, if, and
0: it's, if it's on CNN, it's, it's on it's real. CNN, right? Exactly. <laughs> that was, the, you know, what the, back then. Back got, then, to say, "Well, the yeah. only
1: time I've ever thought yeah, that." Right. Actually. Yeah, Actually, let me let me just. <laughs> <preface> that. <laughs> That's how bad times were. That's how that you bad were, you times were willing to trust. I was willing to trust CNN. CNN. Um, I ended up going on the internet and there it was on like, you know, Entertainment Tonight website right. or something. Once again, it was like, oh, fuck. And so that, so I immediately knew this is going to be a whole nother beast mm-hmm. because there's this very personal private grief and then there's this other thing that's happening. And people started, I mean, I've heard it, I've been hearing it for the last seven years, people say to me, I never cried before when a celebrity died, but I cried when your dad died. You know. So, and these are mostly a lot of cynical fucking people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> who are my dad's yeah. fans? You know, these are these are a lot of no, no bullshit type people who don't cry and much of anything. So I'm right. like, oh shit, they're crying. Um, fascinating. Uh, you know, it's not like, you know, when John, you know, like a beetle got shot or something like that, Yeah, yeah. which is fair. I cried when John Lennon died, but, um, no,
0: they're they're George Carlin fans. And like, I cried when I came out for 15 seconds (laughs) and then I grew up and I was cynical about everything. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And I
0: said, who's this clown cutting the cord? Yeah. And then I was, and I'm done. And then I'm like,
1: never again, never again, never again. But, and I really realized, um, all that's happened to me the last seven years, which has been a—that's a whole nother freaking lifetime. But uh, that with this book being done, and kind of my public George Carlin daughter's life, I feel like there's a, there's been an arc to it these last seven years. Yes, I'll always be my dad's daughter and stuff, but I I don't really need to talk about it anymore. There it is. It's in the book. Just goes whatever you want. There's yeah. There it is. That I'm getting now time to personally grieve my dad finally. That I didn't really have a lot of space to do that. I was on, I felt on display. I chose to be his voice and face in the world uh-huh. because his legacy is so important to so, me. Th-
0: so that's interesting to me because it's not something that you really delve into in the book. Although it's like if you're reading between the lines, you know, yeah. it's, it's there throughout the book. Yeah. But that's... It feels like a choice in that moment when you're talking about it. It felt like you literally made a choice rather than – like, you know, like often we make choices in life, but it's a series of small choices that lead us to something. You go, oh, yeah, okay, I guess this is the choice I made. Yeah. But it felt to me a bit different to that. Am I wrong or is that what happened?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think it was was a choice. I mean, it's like, well, I could either disappear – yeah and, which would
0: have been fine like no one been, had any expectation that you would do absolutely would but have that. been fine yeah. and
1: yet i had a feeling that for whatever reason in my own personal growth or you know whatever this path life thing is that it was important for me to walk through this instead of around it and this was the conversation that i ended up having 2 years after his death with Provenza. Provenza said to me you know, because I had done a version of my show. I told some stories and played some videos of my dad's thing on a cruise ship with, with uh, Lewis black and, <laughs> and <laughs> right. That's how it all started. It all started with Lewis going, come on the cruise ship. We want to have fun. I need a day event, right. Tell some family stories, play some videos. And you, you and Bob, my husband uh-huh. have eight days with me and Kathleen and Larry Wilma, It was just an incredible opportunity to be on a cruise ship with these right. guys party, uh-huh. have fun. Um, and, but I came home and people kept saying, Oh, this is amazing. You should do this. And I was like, the last fucking thing I want to do with my life is get on a stage and be George Carlin's daughter and tell stories about my dad and everything like that. But Paul and I sat one night and Paul said to me, you know, this could be a really beautiful, brilliant piece of art. You know, as only Paul can can say, as uh-huh. people out there know Mr. Provenza.
0: Yeah, and he's a man with a lot of ideas. He's a
1: man with a lot of ideas and a lot of soul and a lot of heart and a lot of depth. Yeah, and um, and I knew there was something here as an artist and as a human that if I, and I knew and and I already decided to to be there for my dad's legacy, you know, and, and Paul said, you know, you could avoid all of this. And I said, yes, but you, you never avoid it. You know, I I could, I could pretend that I'm not him and never talk about him and all that kind of stuff and do it that way. But there was something about me going through it. I think because of my enmeshment, my background, all of that stuff, my only childhoodness uh, that I knew that if I walked through it as consciously as possible, staying grounded as much as I could That at the end of it, I would be freer than if I pretended I was free at the beginning of it.
0: I mean, I I absolutely think that's right. And like, I mean, if you think of it, like, I mean, it gives us just to use today as an example of that. Like, it gives me the freedom to have a conversation with you that is about, you know, kind of the concept of these things. Yes. And, And, you know, comfort in that sort of thing going, hey, if anyone wants to know, like, you know. What Kelly's story and what her thoughts on all this is. Right, go and buy the book. Yeah, it's really great. I read it in one day. (laughs) Like (laughs) you know what I mean?
1: But it's all in there. It really is. You know, and so
0: you can absolutely you can kind of go. Well, that's there. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need to go over that. We can, you know, talk yeah. about Yeah.
1: And and for me, you know, 15 years ago when I as you, you because you've read the book, I did this I did my first solo show and ended up putting it on the shelf and ended up going to grad school instead. This in some ways has been a 15-year arc for me as uh-huh. an artist and as a human wanting to share this survivor story. So for me, it's like right now I'm in this really beautiful strange place because I've fulfilled a dream, first of all, an artistic dream, which is, oh my God, who? how many people on the planet get to do that? And B, I get to be in this interesting place of, now what? Like the last 15 years, this story, even when I put it on the shelf, has always been on the shelf. It's always been tapping at me like, you know, I'm still here. You know, you still want to tell the story. You know, you still have a story to tell. And now that it's done, it's like, oh, there's a... I can feel like this armor coming off of my body and be like, oh, okay, let's, what's the real fucking conversation I want to be having now, which is partly the conversation you and I get to have here today. I'm, I'm,
0: uh, I've refined my analogy. I, I didn't quite get it right when we went with it earlier. But now that you've said that, I feel like I get it a little bit more, which is that when I talked about the foundations of your yes. house, here's what I think is the better analogy is that idea of like, you know, you need to get something repaired. Mm-hmm we all need to get something repaired. Yep. You, you can cover it up for as long as you want, but at some stage you need to repair it. Now, when you are getting it repaired, you can choose just to repair that or you can choose to like add an extra you know, (laughs) story to your house at the same time, you know, like, you know, we'll get the renovations done and we'll, you know, also get blah, blah, blah and move forward. You need
1: that master suite bathroom.
0: (laughs) I have to mourn my dad anyway. I'm going to have to have these conversations. And also here's a way that I can move forward in my life and create something Yeah, Yeah. and make something. It's interesting.
1: And have a a ripple effect. I mean, no matter what, you want to have an impact on the world.
0: Not only are you making something that you can enjoy, but, you know, you're making something that someone like me can connect with – like for me, you know, like a thing that has brought me great joy in my life, a thing that has brought me to here, the, the thing has given me all these opportunities was partly and I'm very much in a large part inspired by your father. Mm-hmm. It gave someone like me an opportunity to spend some more time in that world, you know, which is a great gift to me as well. Yeah. I saw uh, Kevin Smith. He was in Australia and my mate and I went along to see Kevin Smith do a show and uh, he was doing his Q&A, you Mm -hmm. know, where he, where like 90 people line up to ask questions and he gets through three in two and a half hours. Yes, because he's
1: the greatest storyteller ever. It's a really interesting. He's amazing. It's
0: an interesting thing to see. So somebody got up there, uh, one of the questions that somebody asked was about your dad. Sure. And it was really interesting because it was both interesting to watch it as a storyteller, but also he stumbled around for like a minute or two, Mm -hmm. like it wasn't going to go anywhere. Yes. Until he like kind of was like, stumbled onto what it was that he wanted to talk about uh, and it was a really interesting thing to go oh that's what Kevin Smith does so well is he doesn't he's you know at the start of what he's doing he starts to like explore the world and go what's interesting about this yes. and why his stories go so for so long is that along the way he finds so many things fascinating and fills in those you yep. know those gaps and he ended up doing this like impromptu sort of like, it would have been 15, 20 minutes. Mm. And I remember just walking away like with my friend and he was saying, like, how'd you enjoy the show tonight? And I said, I, like for me, like the way, it was like he was doing a eulogy. Like, mm-hmm, I mean, it was mm-hmm. such a beautiful, yeah. yeah. like, you know, he spoke about his life and his effect on him and but like working with him and all these sort of things. And I, I just remembered uh, uh, like walking away going, I don't care how funny that night was. He gave me a great gift again because just for a moment he reminded me yeah. of like I didn't want to like I, I I wanted to visit there again. Yeah, and I wanted somebody to celebrate it, like you know, because so that I could celebrate. Yeah,
1: it. yeah, and, and I really and and I think for me part of my motivation in all of this too was, um, my dad died way too early. He had. Uh, the, his the relationship that people have with him was cut off and they didn't get a chance to say goodbye. Right. And I really do believe when I do the stage show, especially it's a real chance for people to say goodbye to him. There's some sort of finished business finally. Yeah. And, and I love that I get to do that because it's, it's not just his mind that is on display, which we all know and love, but now you get to have a piece of his heart and his body because i'm here i'm part of his dna and you know the story goes on that's the human story ultimately well and also like
0: i mean just on a we get to see one other thing he created yes like i mean (laughs) you are essentially tupac's mom (laughs) (laughs) you're something that tupac's mom found down the back of the couch and's putting out like here we go one more we got one more
1: here like that on HBO. That's great. That's funny. I uh, wish. I wish we had. Here's what we're going to do.
0: We're going to pause just because I ran out of my drink and I yes. want to fill it up. But also, you know, the, the lights have kind of.
1: Oh yes. Did you notice that? That's right. It's
0: got a little dark. I'm going to turn on a light so that we don't go. We to, can't see each darkness, other right now, actually. But also, we can use this as the we're done with your dad. We're just going to move on and just talk about you from now on. Okay. So we'll have a little pause. And but you know, we talked about it. That was nice. Mm-hmm. And so we'll have a pause and we'll come back. Sounds People, good. I, I don't. I'm only really telling you because I'm you're saying gonna, it, Yeah. I am are going to No, I'm, I'm in, just going to push pause oh, and then just them. come back so they have to listen to all this but then we'll be back anyway so i didn't really need to tell you guys anything why am i still talking into the microphone see we're back and we that, are. to them that, that no didn't time even, went didn't by. even happen you I have didn't, no I didn't, idea
1: what we just did
0: i didn't shut the door <laughs> from going out on the balcony so there may be like a plane go by or something but in the meantime we'll just we're will keeping it real keeping it real yeah exactly so um i wanted to ask you about what you think about death because that's something i often ask people about in the yeah. podcast like yeah. is it something that is looms large in your life now and yes. your personal philosophy <sighs> like as in like yeah it is Tell me, so talk to me about I'm that, Kelly. A, you
1: know, I'm a panic disorder person. If you're a panic disorder person, you are obsessed with death. This okay, is, I, I mean, they this come is, together. A I lot think of the time. so because the, your fear of dying, like that's like there's something about that. Uh, I, I'm a, I'm you know, but I I've found some thoughts and practices and stuff to kind of work around it. One of the things I did right after my mom died is I I went to like a Zen Buddhist retreat. I'm like, you know, the Zen Buddhists, they've got these like zen death poems they seem to know how to face this shit pretty Uh much with grace and a bit of detachment so i think i need to go hang out with those people a bit and i have the last some odd almost 20 years i've been practicing meditation and stuff and uh, you know follow the uh thoughts and, you know, ideas of that, of that path. Um, What,
0: uh, what's the kind of like, you know, I mean, I'm not looking for like, but you know, yes, I am. I am looking for the gist of it. Give us the the gist, Kel. (laughs) I
1: I mean, I guess like around death, you know, it's just that it's, I mean, well, there's the cultural aspect of it, which I don't go for. I, I mean, I used to be much more into the magical thinking around death. Like, uh-huh. I really wanted there to be an up there. <laughs> I mean, it'd
0: be great. I mean, well, I understand right. what this, appeals to okay, people. Here's
1: the bottom line. My dad and I talked about this once. I said to my dad, Dad, here's my bottom line about death. Okay, if there's an afterlife, yep. great. When I get there, I'll find out about it. Guessing it's going to be pretty decent. It's not going to be the whole hell thing because, you know, we know they're really full of shit, those people. And if there isn't an afterlife, I won't know any difference, so it won't matter. So you know what? Either way, I'm going to be okay. I like it. That's I mean, my basic thing about it. And so... And I yeah. mean, this
0: idea, I mean, the arrogance, and I think this it is arrogance, that we, like, if there was some sort of afterlife, yeah. that we on earth understand the rules of what, how to get into... <laughs> well, like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah. the thing that gets me about yeah. religion is like, right. these are the rules. Right. And we know this for sure. Yes. Based
1: on what? what? Yes, exactly. Like,
0: I'm not ruling out the fact that there may be something other than this, because what the fuck is this? Like... <laughs> Like, I mean, this is so crazy that it must be an accident or it must mean something. And who, I get it. I get why the world is, demanded in, is divided into those things. Because the only two logical fucking explanations for what is going on is that it's got to make sense or none of it makes any fucking sense. Right,
1: right. It's right. And, and for me, I'm like kind of – I stand between both of those worlds in the sense that it, it doesn't it, – it's meaningless – and that if there is any meaning, it's only the meaning that I'm going to consciously give to it sure. in any moment. So then I'm how do you build. how do
0: you then choose those meanings in those moments? How yeah. does that kind I, of I, work?
1: I've, and I try to do it with as much rationality and consciousness. But, I mean, the thing I've been getting into really recently is um, the sense of the experience of what – in people in the kind of Jungian world, world talks about is the the numinous, numinosity, you know, this, this sense of like being at one with things uh, 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 being overtaken with beauty. When you see beauty and what it does that arrest that aesthetic arrest that happens when you have an experience of, you know, like a sunset or something like that, um, th- that it's, it's there's a bodily experience of things that, are as real to me as drinking something cold. You know, in that moment, I don't pretend that it's done by God or that there's angels or that it has any sort of transpersonal meaning to it. it I just the moment of it is enough, and the be, being able to have that experience to say, Oh, that's a really cool experience. And now I got to go do the dishes, you know, like they're both equal to me. And I used to be a seeker of just that enlightenment experience, but having been practiced enough kind of Zen Buddhism and had enough transcendent, you know, moments of transcendence and being in that thing, the real, you know, when they say before enlightenment, chop chop wood, carry water, after enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. What they mean is that this is it, people. This is it. There is no anything else. So be here, like really be here with it. And know that this is the extraordinariness of it and the ordinariness of it at the same time. And it's, I'm not, I can't deal with that every day. I I try to get there every day. But Um, I, I, you know, and the whole death thing
0: is, I I want to talk about death, but I think that like, I like, I love what you're talking about because I think it's something that I, you know, try to do all the time and don't necessarily successfully do all the time, which is this idea of like, if if my life is without judgment, like your judgment on any particular meaning, particular aim that we're moving towards, and if I am the person who is, you know, like I chose this, I am manifesting my own destiny. I, right. you know, I'm at a point in my life, regardless of what became before now, I have to look at realistically, you know, what I have and what my skills are and what my direction is and yep. be responsible for my, for my choices every day, all that sort of stuff. But at the same time, I've been trying to do more of that thing of going, not ju- putting judgment on like, you know, work versus like doing something fun. Yes. But when I'm doing something fun, do it.
1: Yes. Like don't,
0: if I'm, if, if I'm just don't going to. Don't feel guilty. Yeah. Or if I'm going to be thinking about it the whole time or whatever, just like w- once you're doing it.
1: Yep. Be just, there.
0: Just do it. Be it. The other day I got stopped at customs uh, and a friend of mine was picking me up at the airport. Never get picked up at the airport. He happened to have the keys to this apartment. So he was like, you know what? I was like, I'll get a cab by your place. He's like, no, 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 no. I'll come and pick you up. I'll drive you, right? Someone thinks they're doing you a favor. Right. <laughs> but it's not real. That's not really a favor. No. It's one of those things where you're yeah. like, it's the fucking airport. It's an international flight. Yeah. Like something will go wrong. Something, it's like, yeah. i will be it's eight Monday hours late. It's morning. It's LA. It's traffic. <laughs> like yeah. whatever, you know? Yeah. I'm like, I don't want yeah, – anyway, but he's like – he's offered to do a nice thing. So, like, you know, of course, like, let him do his nice thing. That's good. Yes. Thank you. It would yes. be nice to see my friend. You yes. Know. <sighs> so, for the first time in, like – I've probably come here uh, six times a year for the last, like, six years. So, I've never been, like, stopped at customs. But this flight, of course, the one time that I have someone coming, I get stopped and they take you into the little room where technically – you're nowhere. Yes. Like you're not an American. Right, yet, right? yes. You're fucked. And suddenly <laughs> the rules change of the world.
1: Yeah. Like you can Holy use your shit.
0: cell phone mm. like up till that point. So when you get off the plane, you can get on your cell phone, right? Yes. And anywhere in that Period of time you can use your cell phone, but the minute you're in that room, right? No fucking cell phone, Mm. and they won't let you back out to use your cell phone. Like even though, like two steps ago, you could have messaged your friend, "Hey, yes, I might be a while. Yes, can't go back out there to do that. Once you're in that room, they take your passport. You know, it goes in the thing, and then you're just in
1: no man's land. You're
0: here until when you're here, and don't ask questions. That's not going to (laughs) help. Don't expect they're going to give you any indication. Of what time? Even though this you would, this is my
1: hell. This is my if, version of hell. Even though you would imagine
0: it at a place where every day they would be dealing with people who are stressed and need to do connecting flights, yeah. they have not at any stage thought that it would be a good idea to implement a system where you keep those people informed of what's going on. <laughs> They've never thought that would be handy in any way. So they, I guess, it's maybe to like flash power. power, yeah, because they can, yeah. So, at 6.30 in the morning, he's picking me up at 8. I've left some time up my sleeve. So, I'm like, I actually thought it would be the other way around. I'll get the newspaper. I'll wait for him. I'll get a coffee. You know what I mean? hmm <sighs> Anyway, so, we're in the room and I see where my passport goes into the wall. It's like a – it's a
1: <laughs> – it's, it,
0: it's a long way away, right? Yeah. So, this is like, you know, just got off a 14-and-a-half-hour flight. Yeah. Landed in the country. Like I'm, look, I'm in this room, I'm way down the end of the list and I've got my friend who I know is outside who I can't contact on my phone. So and, he, it,
1: and he knows your plane's landed because he sees it's right. landed in the thing.
0: Yeah. So at that point, that would have been ordinarily, maybe like 10 years ago, maybe even five years ago, but definitely 10 years ago, that would have been like perfect storm for me. I would have had a fucking yep. breakdown. And I would have blamed everyone and I would have blamed myself and I would have, like, you know, regretted 18 different decisions I've made in my life and I would have. But what I did the other day and what I've tried to do more, you know, not always successfully, is just go, all right, well, this is happening, right? Every, like, decision or whatever, good, bad or indifferent that could have been made to change this situation, it's already been made. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there is nothing I can do. Yeah, yeah. Like… Me getting stressed right now adds like in no way resolves it, this situation it's that like great, he's already out there it's the serenity prayer I'll either be on you time, know, yeah, or I won't be on time and
1: and yeah, and you're powerless. And whatever
0: happens will happen. Like, do you mean like he'll leave or he'll get angry or he'll understand or he'll whatever. And yet, yeah. I mean, and that's... And that's
1: freeing. Right. That's liberation. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: That moment. Uh-huh. It's hard, though, Yeah. to re- remind yourself. Yeah. But also, I think on a practical level, you know, just even doing that thing of recognizing... I may have told this story before on the podcast, but uh, my girlfriend and I, uh, one night, um, we... It was during a maybe like even a period of our relationship where we had broken up. We were uh, on and off again, Mm -hmm. you know, over the journey and, um, you know, and uh, we were were having a night together to watch a movie. There was a movie that – and it was at the house that we both lived in and there was a movie that I knew that she would really like that I had seen. And we decided to have this late night together. And the aim of the night was – to have a nice night together, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And one of the things we were going to do to achieve the aim of the night was to watch this movie, right? right? But we started watching the movie and for whatever reason that night she just wasn't settling, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So she was getting up and she was doing things and she was like playing with the dogs and she was like, and I was like, do you want me to stop the movie? And she didn't. She was just like not that interested. And I felt myself starting to get – Like angry, get it frustrated. I'm like, you know, Uh like sit down and watch the movie. And then in my head, I was like, what the fuck are you doing? I was like, you've already seen the movie. Like I'd already seen it. (laughs) So she's not even in any way, like, you know, interrupting or like. Right. Your pleasure. I've seen it. Yeah. I've seen the fucking movie. Yeah.
1: But you wanted to create this thing to happen.
0: But I lost track of what the, like, the aim the, of the, the night real, is. Right. Was she was have, happy. Yeah, She wasn't, like, getting up and stuff because she was angry or not having a good time. Right. Th- that was her having a good time. Yeah. The only thing that was pissing her off right. was me getting pissed off <laughs> about the fact that she wasn't watching this movie. Yeah. Me getting pissed off that we weren't having a good time was the only thing that was stopping us from having a good time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's crazy the damage we do to ourselves in those moments.
1: Yeah. It's, it is that letting go of our agenda. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, to bring it around to death, you know, I mean, our agenda is to be alive and stay alive. So Uh death, like, is a real fucker with that, you know, it's, it's still mind boggling to me having lost both my parents that they're not here. It's still, I still don't understand how that works.
0: Yeah, I mean, a a very close friend of mine has uh, just his dad died when he was young Mm -hmm. i think 12 but like young enough uh and so and he was the last of like nine kids and his mother did a lot of yeah anyway Mm -hmm. they had a very close relationship and Mm -hmm. his mother died uh late last year and uh you know he's still you can still like just out of the blue you know i mean it's only been a couple of months of course like but you know it is interesting that it just i think it's the practicality hits you like, you know, like that thing of just going, like literally that they're not there. Uh, yeah. You know, like, like you can conceive the idea that they're not there. Right. But sometimes the fact that they're also they that they're literally not there. Yeah. Is the... It,
1: and I, I, I don't know if it's like the hard wiring of the conscious human mind. Like whatever, whatever we've had to do here in this wiring brain thing, in order to have consciousness and have this concept of will and movement and control and all this kind of stuff we do in order to build this civilization stuff. There's something about that death thing that the mind just really can't wrap itself around. Uh, It's still, you know, and, and that's like, you know, and I feel like, like for me, like the last seven years, I've gotten to just kind of distract myself about my dad's death. It's like, yeah, he's a guy. He's this, he's a, he's an object. In the culture, he's someone we can talk about, but my dad, dad is gone and I haven't figured out quite what that means for me yet. Like that physical, like he's not here. Like I can't pick up the phone and call him or, and I, there's no tomorrow with him. You know, it's, it's almost like it there is no landing on that spot your brain can go from like idea to kind of moment of reality to idea it's like you just kind of flip back and forth between those two things it's weird
0: yeah it's i mean i okay so like in a practical day-to-day sense as a human being uh-huh how much time do you think you spend considering like, you know, how you live your life. Do you, do you like, you know, I a mean. A lot. A lot?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty self-absorbed that way. Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you
0: think that's self I mean, we're all self-absorbed. Yeah. I say this to people all the time, this idea of, like, I think there's, like, external, like, there's, I mean, really what you want to do is look after yourself as much as you possibly can, mm-hmm. uh, but not at the expense of other people. Yes. You know, that's kind that's of. That's the
1: ideal. The ideal. I right? Agree. If you can find a
0: balance between, but. Yeah. First and foremost, no yeah. matter how unselfish you say you are or even sometimes to people's detriment that they are, right. that they become, yes. you know. Yes,
1: I know that world. Yeah, I think,
0: <laughs> right? Yes. That at the end of the day, selfishness is okay. You're breathing for you. Yeah. You're looking for you. You're hearing for you. Yeah. Like, I mean, you are at the end of the day, your heart beats to pump blood around your body.
1: Absolutely. Of
0: course you've got to be selfish. Yeah. Like you are the only person who – how much – of yourself do you think no one
1: knows Mm, wow that's a great question Uh, you know I I God, I couldn't even give that a percentage, but I would say most. It doesn't say, have to be a I'd percentage, but is it
0: a lot? Yeah. I'd say
1: most, yeah.
0: I'd say that... You're married. I'm married. How long have you been married for?
1: Uh, we've been together over 20 years. Okay,
0: so like a long time. Yeah. So that's someone who yeah, knows probably me. knows a lot about you. Yeah. How much do you think...
1: He really knows? That he
0: really knows. God,
1: I, don't, I wouldn't even know how to really measure that because there's... Um. I mean, is there things...
0: And and not, I mean, you, not because, you specifically, and obviously I'm not going to get you to name these things on a podcast. But yeah. are you are, are there things that, despite the fact that you have you know been with this person for 20 years and chosen to share this yeah. adventure of life with that person, that you feel like you could never tell him? Or do you no. think that everything that is about you, you could share? And no, that I be... I think
1: I could share okay. everything. Yeah, but yeah, but I spend a lot of time in my head working on ideas and thoughts and i have notebooks like you and and there's i don't know how many people i mean you know i saw my dad do that my whole life so i'm like okay well people do that in the world but then i like go out in the the world world i'm like people aren't like writing down their thoughts all the time
0: (laughs) and constantly examining thinking they have to have an opinion on everything
1: I'm like, this is kind of a very privileged position to be in. And I'm starting to kind of get that for myself, you know, and get that, that no matter what, this is all I want to do is think these thoughts, write them down, sort them through and talk to people about them. So
0: well, this is the thing that I like say to sometimes to people in interviews, but I like, no one's really ever going to understand what I mean by this. But I'm like, when people ask me, they're like, you know, oh yeah, what's the, you know, what's the show about? And like, to be honest, the show, like is about i've written 22 one-hour shows in the last 21 years you know for the melbourne comedy festival and really it's about what i'll learn about myself yes like i'm just getting up there trying to work out what i think figure this shit out you know and the luxury that you can have a life because here's the thing the like the question that we're all answering in some way in our life is why are why are we why here? Why are we here? Yes. Right? Yeah. Like now, to some people, engage in an ongoing. I've got a set of rules, and I think that's why we're here. And some people, it's work, and some people, it's family, and some people, it's a range of all those. Like you know, but yep. we all have some. Yeah. Like we're all answering that question in some way. In some way, we have some an people answer think, for it, or, or we're doing something else, and we're constantly asking, "How like well, you know, I should be doing something else to answer that question in the right <laughs> yes, way, or whatever." Yes, but yes. But literally, also, I've chosen like, and we've chosen a world where. You have the luxury of every day getting up. Like, I mean, all I do, people think stand-ups hard because it's the public speaking thing, right? Yes. But they don't know that most of my day, like if you think look at the percentage of my day, that is actually the telling of the jokes.
1: Right. Most
0: of my day is the day where I just get up and I, like literally I read the newspaper and I go, let's have an opinion on everything. (laughs) Then I watch the Republican debate and I'm like, well, i got an opinion on that. Better watch the Super Bowl. I'll have heaps of opinions on that. What do I think about that? I yeah. should read some other people's opinions and have opinions about their opinions. <laughs> I'll start a podcast where I ask people what life's about yeah, so I can talk about it constantly.
1: <laughs> and then the part of me goes... And I have all these opinions and all these thoughts, and none of it really fucking matters. Okay, so this
0: is where it got interesting. It gets interesting again, and it it, it comes back to something you said earlier, which is once you surrender yourself to the idea that, like my like opinion is like at, at best like only suitable for me and how I live my life. You know, the joking way I always say about it is I don't want everyone to like the shit I like. It's hard enough to get a table at my favorite cafe on a Sunday already. You know what I mean? Like I don't want everyone liking my shit. I want every, I I want people to like the shit that I like enough that they keep making it. Yes. And that'll do. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'd like to find out that something's on a week later a and limit. still be able to get a ticket. There's a limit. Yeah. uh
1: uh-huh. <laughs> You know? Uh-huh. uh-huh.
0: Like, that's the kind of, like, you know, I don't need everyone to agree with what I, I don't know, like, if I agree with what I agree with all the fucking time. I, like, and I, So I, then, I, how yes. do you have the confidence?
1: Yeah.
0: To share your ideas if I think I'm full of shit, yeah. like if this thing I'm saying to myself is like, what the fuck do I know? Yeah. Then why am I wasting people's time yeah, it's, well, saying something to them in the first place? You
1: know, and I, I think it's a, it's, it's a testing. You have to, t- you know, I mean, not everyone who gets up or goes out in the world and shares their opinion gets listened to. So You know, something's got to, there's a feedback loop uh, with, you know, my dad used to say about, which I used to think was the most self-absorbed thing it was like the audience isn't there for me. I'm not here for the audience. The audience is here for me. Right. And I used to think, Oh dad, that's so narcissistic. <laughs> it's true though. But yeah, I'm starting <laughs> to understand this weird paradigm. Uh, I
0: mean, it's a crazy narcissistic job in that way. Because you've got to have an inherent belief that what you say is important. Is
1: important. But also it's one
0: of the rare jobs where we judge it on how we felt at the end of it. Like normally you do your job and like, you know, if you present if you go to a restaurant and like, you know, like, uh, you know, that you prepare the food and it's really good and people pay the money for the food, right. right? That's the transaction. Yes. Right? We're the only people who go, I just wasn't really feeling it when I was <laughs> cooking it tonight. So, you know, <laughs> like the food still came out great. But yeah. you like, I just didn't really like the way they chewed. That was kind yeah. of bothering me tonight. I just didn't feel it. What the, Shut the fuck up. You but, did your job, I yeah. liked it, but yeah
1: and and that's true too. I mean, like, you know, Paul said to me, like if you have a night on stage where you don't it's not feeling it, people come up to you afterwards and say, "'Oh my God, you blew me away. You don't say, Oh, I wasn't quite feeling right. it tonight, you you're that's, taking away their experience
0: it's it's arrogant it is and it's selfish and I, and it, and
1: it's and it's beside the point,
0: but also, I am massively, massively guilty of that, it's, yeah, it's one of the most like awful self involved Sucky fucking habits yeah. That I still have not quite Yeah show, Like completely well, I, I tend to more avoid it now And like you know Not put myself in situations where Like if I've had a show Where I know that I would say that to people mm-hmm. I won't go to a place Where I'm gonna run Where you're gonna like,
1: have to have the conversation yeah. yeah
0: I've gotta be smart about it Yeah Like you know i, I got to be like a recovering drug addict, just not going to a place where you know what, I'm not going to go to Cypress Hills place tonight. <laughs> it just might not be the night Which for Which is it, fair. You
1: know? <laughs> but, but for me, it's like, it's taught me that, oh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, I the audience is there for me, but ultimately we're all just here for our own experience. Uh-huh. And I don't get to say what another person's experience of anything is.
0: You don't get to control any of that. No. And it's not up to you, by the way. But
1: the thing is, if people do keep showing up and are interested in what you have to say, then something is resonating. Something's going on. But it doesn't even have to be
0: the same thing for each of them. No,
1: of course not. It won't be because we each have our own little movies in our head and we have to fulfill whatever they are. And, And so and not everyone wants to not everyone sits around thinking about things all day and has opinions and is willing to share people them people
0: must be s- screaming at this podcast why don't you just fucking do something <laughs> rather than just sit around and talk about it all the time you <laughs> fucking idiot
1: well that's the guilt on your i, pretend get. Radio I show. so get that guilt like why aren't i feeding poor people
0: well it's interesting that's an interesting question because you know what like when you talk about issues, Mm -hmm. like, you know, as your father did, as you are like, you know, I think that the area of like entertainment that you're interested in is the idea of like, is that kind of, you know, highlighting, you know, awkward truths.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Then there's that sort of thing of going, well, is talk, Is that enough? Is that what I should be doing? Is that
1: a doing? Is that is that my serving? I mean,
0: my first thought would be: it's it's better to see George Carlin talk about that stuff that does more for the world to see someone who's good at talking talk about that stuff than it would be if he grabbed a bucket and went to Africa. You know, like as much as that would be probably like you know, be like, well, he'd be like, I'm helping more, but in the like, once you like, even the African kid would be like, you know what? I'll bucket it myself. George, (laughs) get back there. (laughs) I mean, you know, really, like, I mean, isn't the way that you're meant to serve the world, identify how you with the skills that you have yeah. can best serve uh, the world? Uh, and that's what and I've come serve to. serve it is, in that way. Yeah,
1: I, I've been given gifts. I've been given this gift of the gab and this ability to analyze and sort through material and think about things and then say it in a way that can actually Perforate people's minds in a way that they keep their mind open and might want to. Oh, look at that! There's a different point of view. I, I I have that ability. So as long as I feel, as long as I'm using it for good and not evil, uh-huh. of course that's that's relative. Yeah, of course it is, <laughs> but.
0: Luckily enough, you're good and uh, you're good and my good are pretty much on the same page. Excellent. So on that's, this, pod- that's important. You know what? There's plenty of podcasts where they can argue with this shit. This is a safe space. Space exactly. Family. People are like you should have people on this uh, podcast that you disagree with. I'm
1: like, no, no. <laughs> No, then, thanks. I, then i have to spend time with them
0: yeah like <laughs> and then i have to find things that i have in common with them and i will find things that i have in common with them because no one's all one thing or the other this is and true And now suddenly i'm fucking half friends with some <laughs> terrible person like i mean you know it's a slippery slope
1: it so, is <laughs> don't even start
0: it okay um uh, i want to finish up soon because yes. you gotta go and you've been very generous to give me a couple of goes at this but i uh I have a couple of quick things before I go that, that yep. because there's just been some, you know, where do you think America is at? I'd like your uh, opinion on that because That's it's a, a just a short answer. No, well, I'm I mean, it, yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, in 15 <laughs> words or less, could you please tell in us? In
1: 140 characters. Yeah, At
0: the end, this turns into a Miss Universe. No, I mean, it, it was interesting to me that when we were recording this, they had the New Hampshire primaries yesterday. Yes. And the two big winners by we're landslides Trump and were ta- Trump and Sanders. Yes, which are and both I,
1: the extremes
0: of their party. Well, but I tweeted, like it said, I think it the one thing the message you get out of that at least as an outsider is that half of America, you know, voters, you know, in this like particular thing recognize the same problem, yeah. which is the system is broken. Yes. Now there are two people with very radical uh, different like, ways of fixing different it different ways of fixing yes. it or not fixing but, it but the, depending the, on the what you believe. the anger and
1: like, the the anger is the same. the same. And um and the thing about it is that you know the progressives have been saying that uh, and the conservatives too in some ways but you know but, but the 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 populists of the progressives have been saying that for 50 60 years right the populist of the right wing have bought into the American dream and were happy with all of their cars right. and their rebel flags and all of that for a long, long time. I think church kept them asleep. I think distracting them with TV shows kept them asleep a lot longer. And they are finally waking up and rising up. And yes, they've got different they, – they have different ideas of what, how they want to fix things. But I think ultimately this is a good thing. That, these, that we're all recognizing that the system is broken right. and that it's going to get chaotic. It may get insane. Um, I don't know if it'll ever be... Uh, it, I don't know what's on the other side of all of this, but one can hope that, you know, there's this thing about chaos theory where there's this, this kind of tipping point in chaos theory where it either goes and completely gets... Chaotic and discordant, and completely falls right. apart, or it finds a new rhythm yeah. and, a, and a new shape.
0: That there's a kind of a natural readjustment to yes. that, like things play, like a system will play itself will, out. Well, will its play extreme. itself out in
1: systems theory. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And, you know, yeah, as a as a human on this earth that, you know, I'm 52, I'm hoping I'll be here for at least another 25 years, hoping it doesn't get too chaotic and crazy.
0: I reckon you'll just get, that's the sweet spot. I reckon you'll just see before shit, like, you know, completely I, yeah, goes to shit. I think shit. I'm
1: like going to be able to, you know. You'll
0: get a glimpse of it. I'll get to You'll get the previews.
1: <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You'll get like the first I, maybe, Hunger Games
0: movie, but yeah. you won't get like perhaps the whole revolution. You'll just... <laughs> We're
1: not far from the fucking Hunger will not Games have now. To have to kill my brethren, peers, yeah. or something. You
0: won't have to compete in the yes. Hunger Games, but there may be a family member yeah. or something who does. Yeah.
1: So I, I think you know, and I think I think it's a I think I think America and what we have here is 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 like they say is you know it's not perfect, but it's it's the best experiment we have. Right. You know, I really do. Um, and and there's a lot of problems in the world, but you know, I I'm happy with the way that the elections going. I. I'm kind of thrilled that Donald Trump is doing this. Uh, it's terrifying on some level, but um, and then there's a part of me oh, that well, is I've, truly my dad's daughter and yeah. is just relishing in, in the freak show of it all. Really is just like I really want it to fucking go to hell. Well,
0: <laughs> I, I mean, I, I I kind of agree with you as well, which is that idea of like you know what, like this sis- like let's
1: go hell, ha- let's go. This to hell. system
0: is fucked. Yeah, so let's if, bring it down. If if this brings it down, yeah. And you know what? If any of the Republicans were decent, yeah, I would have more of a problem with Trump. Yep. But because they're all fucking they're, terrible, they're all horrible. Like they're all horrible. Even Kasich. I mean, yeah. I, I tweeted and today.
1: He looks. This man looks normal on the outside. Right. People, he's not.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at least with Trump, he wears his loony on his yep. sleeve. You know what,
1: you you're know what I mean? You, you know, know what where you're stand. Yep. Yeah. Which I think there's. I think that's part of the blunt honesty that people respect in him. Right. At least he. At least he is transparent. I mean, the
0: weird thing about. Like the Trump thing is in some ways – now, I don't think this is what he's doing, by the way. But in some ways, in a political sense, he's actually saying what all political leaders should do. They should outline a broad kind of philosophy of what they believe. Because the thing about Bernie Sanders, for example, if he could do all the things that he's promising that he could do – yeah then yeah, it'd be fucking fantastic. And that's that's
1: the problem. But Obama wanted
0: to do those things as well. And he hasn't been able to do a lot of them because the system doesn't work work in a way way. for them to do them. Exactly. But if we did a little bit more of people outlining more in broad brushstrokes of like, my philosophy is that we will like, you know, do better deals in this area. My philosophy is that we will, you know, I'm tough on, I mean, at least with Donald Trump, like you go, okay, well, one of his things is, regardless of whether he builds a fucking wall or not, right. he's going to be tough on immigration. <laughs> right, <exactly>. right? <laughs> Yes. I
1: mean? like, yes, yes. He might not get yeah, his wall. Right. But, but yeah,
0: but in a general sense, right. we, we know, know where, where he, he stands. stands.
1: <laughs> yes, it's very true. Whereas
0: it's like some true. of the others, you don't really... Yes. Like there's so many fucking weasel words and whatever. And
1: that's, that that's, you, that's imply, the freshness of right you know, now is, right. you know, the double speak is at a minimum right now because, you know, Bernie's speaking his truth and right. Trump is speaking his truth and at least they're fucking speaking... They're not having to put it through that fucking filter that we normally get. And we sit around going, will anyone just fucking speak English again? You know? Well,
0: the other thing about Trump is he has kind of called them out. Yeah. Because what the Republicans have been able to do yep. is always, they veil, they can appeal, they can kind of wink, you know, dog whistle to the Tea Party end of the party, yep. but they've never had to like, you know, put it broadly. To really pony fronts. up. So now yep. you have to go two ways if you're a Republican candidate, which is A, to be like put on the record that you are against the things that Donald Trump believes in, which is a good position. Like, you know, right. That's, and, but during that, a primary, right? you can't
1: get away with because it's your base.
0: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, or the other thing is that you have to actually start saying some of these things out loud yourself
1: yes. and it
0: does kind of draw them out. It's and you're fascinating,
1: like, isn't it? I mean, it has
0: been. <laughs> I'm a bit like you. It's very entertaining. It is. It and, is. I, and I don't want it to be over yet. Yeah, it's not. And to be honest, I don't want to live through it and I know it'd be a tragedy if it happened. Yes. But if I could just, you know, like choose your own adventure. Do you know this choose your own adventure books? <laughs> yes. You know how like you knew there was a path that was the right path to take. Right. But you were like, I just want to have like Can't a little you see peek that one? <laughs> down that path. Just to like, I don't want it to happen, yes. but I just want to have a look at, Yeah, you know what? I'm not going to buy it, but I just want to try it on. <laughs> I just want to try it on, wear it around, just see how it looks on me. Yeah. That's all it is. A-
1: and for me, you know, there's the schadenfreude of, you know, this country really gets what it deserves. Right. And President Trump- Donald and Trump. Trump is. President yeah. Trump. Yeah.
0: America's done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kelly Carlin, you've been the best. Uh, Thank Carlin, you. A uh, Carlin Home Companion is the name of the book. Yes. I, uh I highly recommend it. I mean, obviously, uh, I, but I just think it's a great book. I think people uh, will enjoy it, uh, even re- if you're a, a person who perhaps, you know, has heard me talk about uh, George Carlin or you've, you've heard about George Carlin. But that's the interesting thing. I mean, it like it, generations move by so quickly that yeah. people start to hear these you know, I mean, it was very sad when David Bowie died, obviously, but the great thing was that I think that a
1: huge generation got introduced got introduced, to and I like agree. that last
0: album was listened to by so many more people yep. who, and apparently it's great. Like people have really enjoyed it, Yeah. but they've certainly listened to it more to find that out than they ever would have. If he reg- was still
1: here. Right. Yeah, it's very true.
0: Yeah. And you know, that's pretty cool. So, um, People should buy the book. Uh, you know, where else do you want to tell them that they can? Oh, find you can come you? to my
1: website, kellycarlin.com. I'm touring my show a little bit. I have a I have a podcast. I have a Sirius XM show. Who knows where else I'll show up?
0: Right, but they yeah, can find all that information on your podcast. Yeah, Kelly
1: KellyCarlin dot Okay,
0: there you go. Look at this. I I uh, if you like this podcast, which I'm going to try to put out more regularly, that's great. Um, if you could rate it on iTunes, that'd be handy. Uh, now that it's back uh, more regularly, and uh, you know, you can tell people about it or whatever um uh we have a patreon page for my other podcast tofop so i have two other podcasts tofop and fofop uh you can listen to those uh t-o-f-o-p-f-o-f-o-p um uh, and you can find those uh, on omni app or on itunes of course uh i am on tour at the moment well i'm about to be on tour about adelaide (laughs) brisbane melbourne sydney uh perth my brand new show fire at will Uh, is on sale and uh, you can come see that uh, April 9th we'll be doing the live TOEFOP at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. That's going to be huge. Uh, Kelly, thank you so much.
1: My pleasure.